podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. After a pitiful display away to Nottingham Forest saw the Reds fail to make it three wins in a row in the league last weekend, yesterday evening's comfortable win over Ajax, featuring a new work-in-progress diamond system, saw Klopp's side qualify for the last 16 of the Champions League. As they look to build on that positivity, the Reds welcome under-pressure leads to Anfield this Saturday evening for what's sure to be an energetic encounter. And joining me as ever to lend us his perspective and insight on all things Leeds United, I'm delighted to welcome back writer and presenter for Tifo Football and The Athletic, the excellent John McKenzie. Welcome back, John. Thank you for having me. As always, always great to, to catch up and, and get your insight on, on Leeds. Obviously, sort of, uh, listeners will be well aware of sort of the detail that you've, you've provided before in our discussions on Leeds, but also, so I'm sure there's been plenty who've, who caught your work um, uh, for for Tifo and for the Athletic over the past few months as well? I've been very much enjoying your explainers and your breakdown tactical breakdowns, um, uh, and pretty amazed by how you are able to consolidate it all into a few a few minutes. To be honest, I'm sure there's a lengthy um, editing process, and, and if not, that's even more impressive. But uh, yeah, very glad to get you back on. And uh, just before we dive into this season, I just wanted to to ask you. When you look back at the end of last season uh, and how things ended up with the with the side obviously securing um, Premier League status on that uh, on that final day, um, I mean, what, what what were your thoughts come the end of the season in terms of sort of the work that needed to be done in order to ensure Leeds uh, fared better this time round? Yeah, I suppose I was very sceptical of mm. the whole approach that we'd adopted anyway at the end of last season and there was a lot of people saying well you know there was 10 games left when Jesse Marsh came in it was just a case of staying up at whatever the cost was going to be and it was unfair to judge him on the basis of that and on the one hand I, I guess that's that's fair enough we weren't particularly playing a style of football that I think anyone would have wanted to play certainly not the coaches um, but I was quite sceptical about the play style anyway going in before the, se- the season kicked off this time around. Um, having spent a lot of time watching various clubs that play a uh, Red Bull system. So we did go into the summer and spend money on the sorts of players who will benefit the, the sort of style of play that we wanted to play. And in many respects, it was a relatively good summer. Um, there's people who complain about the lack of left back. There's people who complain about the lack of a striker option behind Patrick Bamford. But largely speaking, we brought in a lot of players in key positions who were able to play that play style. And we're getting to a point now where I think the realisation is is that 
that play style probably won't work in the Premier League. Um, certainly not any indication that it's going to change anytime soon. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a, a weird season in many respects um, because... I don't know. You, you never want to feel vindicated as a as an analyst, especially when you're looking at a, a club that you support. But mm-hmm. um, I guess I'd be lying if I said I didn't anticipate something like this happening uh, in the not so different, distant future. So yeah. yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I think there's a there's a hives popular hives uh, song about that. I think that exact feeling actually. But uh, in, in terms of um, the uh, for those who aren't familiar, let's say, with, with Jesse Marsh and the Red Bull style of play, I think plenty who are listening will be. But in terms of I mean, where your scepticism grew from uh, when you when you saw those 10 games last season and, and what you've seen so far, but in terms of what that style is and how, how Marsh has been get, um, attempting to get Leeds playing, would you mind just sort of explaining that a little bit just to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So largely what the, the Red Bull style encompasses is this idea that rather than trying to generate chances predominantly through possessing the ball, uh, maintaining control of the ball, moving it down the field into dangerous areas, what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and attack directly. And in the likely event that you lose possession of the ball, use that as an opportunity to win the ball back and benefit from the destabilization that that sort of chaos can have on an opposition defense. So, it's not necessarily like anti-possession football, uh, but it's I would describe it more as territorial football. So getting the ball into advanced areas quickly, destabilizing teams, winning the ball back if you lose it, and and then using that chaos to to try and generate um, generate chances of your own. And I think there's various reasons why it hasn't worked in the Premier League. I think one of those reasons is that there is a talent level in the Premier League that allows players to be able to build through a really aggressive press. Um, it hasn't worked all the time. And interestingly enough, the teams that we've done well against this season have been Chelsea and Arsenal, who you might not expect us to be necessarily doing well against. Um, but the the other problem, I think, is that teams further down the table recognise that they're not going to be able to compete by trying to build up through our press. So we've seen a lot of teams just bypass the press, either go around the press or over the top of the press. And that essentially nullifies us quite useless. And um, I suppose as well, the other thing is that when we're trying to attack directly and generate these these sorts of transitional moments, we are trying to exploit space in the opposition, um, in their structure. And we're seeing a few teams as well just refusing to allow space. So just sitting deep, letting Leeds have possession of the ball and saying, okay, you're not set up to be a possessional side. We're going to give you possession of the ball. Now see what you can do with it. Um, and that combination of, of sort of refusing to engage in the counter press and also refusing to give us space to attack has has caused us problems in a lot of games outside of the games against the top six. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting there. I think uh, lots of the listeners will be uh, probably thinking of familiar problems um, that we'd seen um, across Liverpool's evolution, actually, um, under Klopp and uh, certainly from the early days and sort of what that or how organized you would say that pressing system was into until sort of what it became and, and then of course actually i think the actual move away from that uh counter pressing approach which has actually been going on for longer than i think many people actually have been probably sort of uh conscious of and now we're in this weird situation 
uh, where you know, there's been a system change recently, whether that be a temporary one because of injuries or just form, but uh, a change to a system where I think, yes, you, you barely see the counter-press anymore, to be honest, into in too many sort of aggressive situations. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, there's a couple of familiar, familiar problems there, certainly with teams, you know, just, just giving you the ball and having a look at your, your players and going, well, I'm not, I'm not, not entirely sure you're, you're talented enough or set up to, to break through what we're, what we're going to provide you with here. So I think, yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a few familiar sort of, um, teething issues there. In terms of sort of the end of last season where you first saw Marsh trying to implement that style, what did you think were some of the key, Sort of missing cogs, if you will, um, in the team at, at that time, where you thought, well, I, I have doubts about what, whether or not this will this will work in the Premier League. But I mean, just looking at the team, there's there's a couple of very key missing cogs in the squad. Um, where were those areas? So I think the primary issue is that under Marcelo Bielsa, you you sort of live by the on-field and die by the off-field. So. Because we'd been so aggressive over three seasons, we hadn't really updated the squad and, and, and given it a freshening up. We ended up in this situation where a lot of the players were just not able to play with the sort of intensity that was required, which is obviously an issue when the new coach that you're bringing in is also going to be playing a fairly intensive approach. Um, as a result of that, I, I just felt like we didn't really ever see the press in in those last 10 games of the season it just became very much a sort of we'll try and we'll just try and keep some sort of vestige of structure and and weather the storm as best as possible um and i I guess that's understandable i think in these sorts of pressing systems where you're going to be quite aggressive you do have to have everyone moving together and if anyone doesn't do that then there's an out around which the the opposition can play through the press. Um, So it wasn't even so much that at the end of last season there was obvious missing cogs. It was just more for me that we weren't even trying to press at that point. Um, And yeah, I think the areas areas where we've improved have been in the central midfield um, parts of the field. So we've brought in Tyler Roberts, who is a a really good off- Ball play. He's played with Jesse Marsh before, so he reads the Gagan pressing style quite well. Uh, just a really mobile and uh, aggressive off-ball player. And then we brought Mark Rocker from Bayern Munich um, to play alongside him. Now, Rocker is less of a physical player; he's more of a progressive passer. Um, and obviously, like when you're playing a direct attacking style, it's good mm. to have players who can get the ball through the middle into those areas. And he's got pretty good progressive passing stats this season so he's clearly clearly working for that um <clears throat> other than that we've brought in you know again other players from um jesse marsh's marsh's past so uh brendan aronson was uh with him at salzburg for a little while uh but he's another player who is sort of a high energy low tech player um rasmus christensen as well from um from his time at, at salzburg as well um, is a is a right back, so again, sort of knows the 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 system that Jesse Marsh wants. Has probably been a little bit below the level that you need to be for the Premier League, which has been an issue, but um, certainly understands the the system. Um, and then we've had uh, yeah a few other players here and there. Luis Sinister is the one who stands out. He's sort of the the Rafinha replacement, and and is an exciting talent uh, for sure there. Um, 
I think that's roughly it in terms of like the big the big key players. Um, but yeah, it, again, like we what we've seen this season has been a better ability to press, and in some games the press has obviously worked really well. But because of that fact, oppositions have decided not to bother even trying to compete with the press, and mm. and that sort of raises questions about yeah. why you might approach the game in the way that you are. Yeah, and I was just I was just looking at the transfers, and then thinking obviously with the departures of Rafinha and Calvin Phillips, there's a considerable amount of money there that was then sort of reinvested. So there were, I don't think there could be any questions that the manager has been you know backed uh, or, or hasn't been backed here into sort of the business that's been done. And as you mentioned there, not only you know looking for players that he'd worked with before, which we see quite often with managers, but um, you know, also players that were accustomed to the style which he was trying to implement as well, which you know, usually bears well and you and you're looking at sort of the age range there as well and it's it's an age range that shouldn't leave you with with players that uh, are that you're unable to resell afterwards um, even if things weren't to work out for them so it's yeah I mean at first glance it's 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 not necessarily a sort of a worrying window but I guess when you're contextualizing it all by the fact that you're not actually sure the system that they're looking to implement is going to work that's that's obviously one of the bigger the bigger concerns and we'll come on to talk about some of the games we've seen so far this season but just wanted to ask of those players that you mentioned there who have come through the door who have you seen uh, the most of and who has caught the eye the most is, is it is it the likes of Sinistera as you mentioned who's, who's, who's looking to fill those big boots of uh, of Rafinha yeah I mean I think Sinistera is the most exciting of those players um, I think Mark Rocker has impressed because he, he he obviously made a big move to buy him, which didn't work out for him, and it's ended up being a, a fairly decent um, uh, purchase for us, sort of getting him at the end of of that process. And Tyler Adams is important to the system uh, as well. Like uh, when you're playing a high press system like that, you need to have your double pivot a double pivot able to be able to read the press and and con- contribute to the press. Because I think if the the, the forward pressing unit falls away from the rest of the team then you have a massive gap in midfield that can just be exploited by the opposition so i think those those three in particular have been the big ones um brendan aronson is obviously important for the press but uh, i'm less convinced by him in terms of the in possession phases of play um but yeah we've got some exciting younger players coming through too so we brought in wilfred noncio who is um a young italian player actually has played for the senior italian squad uh, he looks to be quite an exciting player, and um, we've got some some other youngsters coming through. So, uh, Darko Giabi, we bought from uh, Man City, is a central midfielder who is, as you would expect from a midfielder who went through the Manchester City Academy all the way through. So, um, he, he's an exciting player too. But um, yeah, in terms of as you said, like the the approach, it does seem fairly high risk to me because. We've put all of our all of our eggs in one basket, and I think you can justify making that sort of decision when you're not um, spending a huge amounts on players. But I feel as though we have overplayed for pay, uh, overpaid for players because, for example, Brendan Aronson, we ended up paying, you know, pushing thirty million for him, um, for a for a guy who's sort of like high intensity, low tech as well. So I, I think were we to have approached this as, okay, we're going to try this approach out um, where where we bring in players who are um, market inefficiencies, essentially. So undervalued by the market. If you can find those those yeah. players that no one else is spending the money on and then make a system which allows you to be greater than the sum of your parts, then it's it's fine. But the problem is, is that, as you've said, we 
the system hasn't seemed to work and it's just feels as though we spent a lot of money to be a relegation candidate again right so um we we had you know pushing 90 million from those two transfers of phillips and rafinha and it doesn't necessarily feel like the squad has improved much beyond the fact we now have players who are fit and reliable um and that was sort of the issue at the end of the Bielsa time was that we we didn't really have those fit players so we've obviously improved the the squad but in terms of the level of the of the players that we have it doesn't feel like it's been a massive leap up in that respect yeah just just looking at the results here and obviously the start of the season the opening three games two wins out of the out of the opening three and as you mentioned sort of a you know, big win over Chelsea I remember looking at that performance in the that was one of the games where it seemed to me anyway that, that the press had been incredibly successful. Chelsea obviously going going through a difficult period at that stage as well. Uh, and, I mean, that's that's a pretty respectable start to life you know, in, in terms of Je- Jesse Marsh trying to build things this time round. Uh, obviously, we're coming into the game this weekend off the back of four consecutive defeats, and we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, I mean, even as you who were sceptical about this style uh, working effectively in the Premier League. Um, I mean, what did you make of those opening three games, and were there were there glimmers, you know, of 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 hope in terms of sort of okay, perhaps this can work, or do you think there were each each of those games were very particular um, sort of case studies? Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that in twenty three games, Jesse Marsh has only won six, and yeah. of those six yeah. games, two of them were last season against teams that got relegated two of them were against teams who were down to 10 men or fewer in the case of Brentford and then this season we've beaten two teams both of whom sacked their managers soon after we beat them um (laughs) so in terms of like a in terms of a a repeatable and reliable approach it doesn't necessarily seem to have have really kicked in in that in that sense and as I've said like the the positives to be taken away are that we can compete with the top six sides which is all well and good but for the fact that for example, against Arsenal, we didn't actually even win that game or even get a point. And the other the, the other thing is that you, you do not stay in the Premier League by competing with the top six. You mm. stay in the Premier League by beating the teams who are around you in the table. And that's what we've really struggled to do. So, yeah, it's been it's been a funny season in, res- in respect of that, because the, the big elephant in the room when you're talking about Leeds United is that on the so we're told the underlying numbers are quote unquote fine so most of the um uh, expected goals models have us sort of mid table pretty much generating the sorts of chances and and quality of chances that we are also conceding so we generate as much as we're conceding basically um and so there's a lot of people out there who who are of the opinion that Jesse Marsh has been unlucky the variance has gone against him and all that Leeds need to do really is wait around for the variance to reverse and then Leeds will be okay. Um and there's a sense to which that may be true. Like you would think that you would think that there should be enough in this team to be able to finish above the, the bottom three. Um but there are, there is definitely context and there's definitely caveats. Uh, I've just recorded a video uh, which will be out on Friday on the TIFO channel looking at this but I, what i did was i looked at some of the just some of the context behind the the expected goals numbers and what i did was i looked at the impact of game state on expected goal generation um so this is sorry if this is getting quite technical but in terms of in terms of game state what we mean is anything that impacts 
the way that teams might play. So a really course, good yeah. example of, of game state might be like a red card. So mm. if a team is down to 10 men, they're obviously going to play differently against a team with 11, and it may impact the numbers that they have. Absolutely. Um, but the game state that I was interested in was how Leeds played uh, based on the scoreline. So what we can do is we can take yeah. the times when Leeds are level in games, we can take the time when Leeds are a goal up, two goals up, three goals up, uh, and we can take the times when Leeds were a goal down or two goals down. So that's all of the different game states that Leeds have been in this season. And what I found from, from the data was that actually in an even game state, so when Leeds are drawing, they which they have done for over 600 minutes this season, um, they are the 17th worst team in the league in terms mm. of expected goals okay. difference. Right. So in, in an even game state, Leeds are pretty much pushing the, the relegation zone. Um, there are two game states in which they put up very good numbers. When they're behind. One of them is when they're... <laughs> Sorry? No, I was... I, I was just guessing sort of where you were going with it in terms of sort of, uh, is, <laughs> is, is it, is it an example of a team that, uh, starts playing when they're, when they're behind? Yeah. So, yeah. well, one of them is the, in, in a, in a goal up. So when we're, when we're one nil up, yeah. which we've been for, I think it's not very many minutes. I think it's about 71 minutes this season. We put up very good expected goal difference numbers then, but that's a really small sample size. Um, but the other game state in which we are actually generating really good expected goals numbers is when we're two goals down. Um, and so it does feel as though the game state is massively impacting the the um, the expected goals numbers. So that's not to say that Leeds aren't still generating a lot of chances, and they are, and that's definitely an important aspect of 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 how you stay in the Premier League. But I think there's also another caveat, which is that Leeds are when they are giving up chances, although they're not giving up a lot of xG, they are actually giving up big xG chances. So. Um, there's plenty of examples of, of situations where opponents are getting into unpressured situations in front of the goal where either there is no goalkeeper or a goalkeeper to beat and that's it. And those chances are just much more likely to be scored than, than not scored. And so um, there's a sense in which the the, uh, the play style is, is giving up those kind of chances as well. And I think the other thing to say is that because Leeds aren't interested in possessing the ball, they have that problem that Liverpool had, I think, You've already referenced where when you get into these situations in the Premier League and you are ahead in games, you have to be able to control games through possession as well as through other aspects. So you can't just counter-press your way into um, into necessarily controlling mm -hmm. games. Or when you do that, you, you do run the risk of giving up really dangerous chances as well as generating them for yourself. So yeah. um, I think that's sort of the, the story of where leads are at. They generate dangerous chances, but... It's chaotic game states. You're playing against good sides, and and sometimes in the Premier League, it's it's just not going to go well for you. And uh, yeah, the, the the baseline thing for me is that in an even game state, leads are pretty bad, and you spend a lot of time in an even game state when you're not a particularly good side. So um, yeah, the numbers may not save us, um, but maybe the gods will. Yeah, and I think about some again some similarities there, as you mentioned. I mean, just thinking about uh, just the. I think the numbers on Liverpool in terms of sort of the the concession of the first goal and, and how often that's uh, that's happened over the past 16, 17 games or so. Um, Interestingly uh, enough, uh, in terms of big chances, I did notice that. So Leeds yeah, are in the in the bottom three. We're Liverpool there with have, you. Yeah. yeah, you're you're worse than us in terms of mm. big chances conceded. Yeah, it's no, it's. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's actually aware of it. I'm I'm certainly very aware of it. <laughs> but looking at the numbers. 
Uh, I looked at the numbers extensively yesterday uh, in in various areas, both in terms of running, uh, pressing per game, uh, just um, as you mentioned, big big chances conceded per match. Uh, Really unpleasant, unpleasant uh, reading, actually, as far as Liverpool are concerned. Um, I think there's somebody made an interesting point around Rafa's uh, blanket analogy, um, you, you know, around so you're you're always moving the blanket around to, to, to try and cover sort of the areas of weakness in your in your team. At the moment, it feels like with some of the uh, decline in, in in players' physical capacity, um, along with some systemic issues as well, uh, that that blanket is very small. <laughs> that, that blanket has turned into I don't know, flannel uh, at times, and it's really, really been quite difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, j- just hearing you sort of discuss there around, uh, yeah, some of the issues that can that can happen with um, a pressing system when the, when mm-hmm. when either either the other team doesn't play ball or or the pressing system is not very uh, is not implemented that efficiently. I think yeah, Liverpool's definitely suffering or had suffered from the from the latter. Actually, I think there's a number of players there in Liverpool side who are no longer able to implement the the old style of play, and I think that's also indicative of, you know, the re- the, the pursuit of Thiago, uh, and the fact that, uh, unsurprisingly, when Thiago is in the team, generally Liverpool look like a very different, a very different side. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a system built on one or two players at the moment, which is not um, not the not the smartest of uh, of concepts. But just to bring it back to Leeds and having a look at the the games this season, are there games that you look at and could pick out and go well. That, that's, you know, that's a perfect encapsulation of some of the issues that you were you were worrying about this season in terms of the the how realistic it was to implement a system like this, where perhaps you actually watch the game and go, well, actually they're doing everything that Marsh would want them to do. They're doing it quite well, but it's it's proving to be ineffective. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well. Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think the Crystal Palace game is the, the best example of a, of a, of a indicative game like that because Palace came out in that game trying to build up from the back, trying to take on the Leeds press went a goal down and, and were lucky to go in at half-time 1-1. Um, but they scored pretty much their only chance from the half from a set-piece. Um, but at half-time, Patrick Vieira changed things up and did a lot of the things that caused Leeds problems. And um, and they ended up winning the game 2-1 and came back into it. You can you can trace um, the XG plot line in the first half, Leeds having a couple of big chances uh, and then basically flatlining till the end of the game. And then in the second half, you can see Crystal Palace just chipping away at Leeds and, and the expected gold numbers just going up and up and up. So for me, that sort of encapsulates the the problems with Jesse Marsh's approach because it's not even the case that you can get away with it in a game. Um, Crystal Palace 
came out against us in the first half, recognised the problems with their approach, switched things up and ended up winning. So if, if coaches can essentially recognise how to nullify your game within the space of time that a game takes, then you're in a bit of trouble, I think, as a coach in the Premier League. Yeah, not great. Not great. Um, I think it's... I mean, just We'll come on to talk about Jesse Marsh in a second, actually, and some of the comments he's made and just your thoughts on on his prospects, but I'm sort of interested by uh, whether or not there have been players who you've seen so far fully, even despite this poor run, uh, who you think have actually benefited from the the new approach. Uh, I mean, ultimately, it's not leading to results, which is the most important thing anyway, but I just wonder whether or not there's, there's certain players that you think have actually made more sense in this um, in this in this type of system. One who perhaps I'm just literally just commenting on match of the day highlights or something like that, but uh, it did strike me that Rodrigo seems a little bit more involved uh, than than perhaps he had done at times last season. Maybe that's just me sort of reading into the few highlights I've seen. But have there been players that you think have actually um, been shining lights in in this otherwise quite uh, you know that sort of poor start to the season? It's hard to say because it, it it's now got to the point where it feels as though mm. everyone is suffering because of the yeah. system. Um, anyone who's you know, anyone who's good off ball is going to look good in the system yeah. and did so in the games where they were able to do so. Um, but as we've said, like those games are becoming fewer and far between because there's only teams in the top six who really seem that interested in even trying to play that way against us. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Tyler Adams benefited from the system um, because he's played the system and suits the system. I think Brendan Aronson, you can say, the same thing. It's funny you mentioned Rodrigo because I feel like our relatively good start to the season mm. came from him wildly overperforming his numbers. Wildly overperforming. So he, like, <laughs> he scored quite a few right at the beginning, yeah. um, and then since they've dropped off, he hasn't looked a, a, as as good. So there's a, a sort of weird thing where we got away with it quite a bit because we had a few players, both him and Sinister, I think, who finished at a much higher rate than you might expect. Um, as per their underlying numbers and we did quite well in that period and then that dropped off and then we didn't do well and yeah alongside the the, the play style stuff it, it, it sort of you know, yeah that sort of did for them really and i've seen sort of comments around you know i mean jesse marsh saying that he takes responsibility for the defeats and you know the, 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 sort of emphasizing the work he's trying to trying to go through to keep the squad united and i think one thing that um stood out to me as well that i think um we were speaking ahead of the pod about sort of Liverpool coming back down to earth a little bit. And one thing I've not really had to contend with for a while is, is doubt that the, that the squad of players is, or lacks confidence. I think, you know, in terms of, um, the, the, the confidence in their approach and, and that the approach will lead to success because they've had so much success, um, with the methods that Klopp's employed over the past few seasons. So that's been interesting this season seeing just the, just the real, sometimes, you know, obviously, unquantifiable uh, aspect of, of confidence and players you, you can see players on the pitch um, you know, even when positive results do come perhaps they're not coming as a result of the system that they're trying to implement there, there could be free goals as you mentioned players overperforming set pay, uh, set pieces things like that it doesn't necessarily instill the confidence even if you do end up getting a result because it's not come as a result of you implementing the plan that your manager has been uh, sort of giving you and that's obviously going to be one of the most tough uh, jobs for Marsh here and that 
um, in, tr trying to instill confidence amongst a group of players when the system appears to be the main issue in terms of not being fit for purpose uh, is a very, very difficult task indeed. I mean, you were already sceptical towards the end of last season. Uh, I mean, you, you've got a, a bigger sample size now given sort of the games that happened this this time round. Do you think it's possible for Jesse Marsh to turn this around? And I mean, it sounds as though I mean, he, he would have to he would have to move away from the, the principles that he's he's largely used as a manager so far in his career. Yeah, there's two things there. One is that I think we're now getting to a point where the players are ceasing to believe in yeah. the system to yeah. work, to whatever extent they ever did. But, you know, when you have a new manager and he's different from the old manager and the old manager was notoriously um, intense, I suppose, when you bring in someone who is a lot more, I, I suppose, of a, a, a man manager than, than the previous manager was and he's doing things in a different way and he's not having you in for like eight, ten hours a day, <laughs> Um, yeah. and micromanaging everything. I'm sure it, it probably feels quite nice. Um, but I think the problem now is that we're back in the same situation. Right? We spent a lot of money, a lot of effort learning a new system, and it doesn't feel like we've got anywhere beyond last season. Um, and that was what did for Bielsa in the end, right? Bielsa lost the dressing room, quote-unquote, whatever that means. Like, certainly, the, I think the, the players got to a point where they could accept that maybe it would be better not to have him as their manager. Um, and I feel like there are shades of that now. It feels if the, the Fulham game in particular to me felt like this is a team of players who don't really believe in the system. And one of the big discussion points, I guess, of amongst Leeds fans is, well, you know, we've seen Red Bull style managers or high pressing, counter pressing managers come into the Premier League and develop the ability to uh, change their tactics and change their approach and do things differently and obviously that's true we I mean we, we you you know as well as I do that that can happen uh, as as a fan of Liverpool but we've seen I think largely Ralph Hasenhutl come in and prove that he can do other things in that respect so there's a lot of people saying well why can't we just play this way but then improve our our possession football and I think that the problem is and the problem as is very quickly found out is that when you do that kind of thing as I described the play style at the beginning, right? one play style is we don't want to possess the ball to an extent. We want to get the ball into dangerous areas and then win it back and use those moments to generate dangerous play. I think people don't realise that it's not quite so simple to simply change up your play style and suddenly become a possession-based team. You're you're doing things very differently to the way that you did things before. And exactly. When, when you've brought in a coach who is going to approach things in that manner, and he doesn't want to, and you're saying to him, right, we've got to basically change the way that we're doing things to be completely different to what we were doing on a general play style basis. It does raise the question why you brought that coach in in the first place. Why not just bring someone in who is going to be able to do the possessional stuff from the beginning? Which I think for ma the majority of Leeds fans was what they loved about Bielsa. Yes, there was the intensity, and there is definitely that, I don't know, whatever it, whatever it is. Um, that, that sort of vestiges of muscular Christianity or whatever, where people love players who get <laughs> stuck in. That is definitely something that happens at Leeds. Yeah. Uh, and that is something that the fans loved about Bielsa's time. But 
they definitely loved the really nice in possession stuff more and that stuff is definitely harder to to generate so i feel as though we took the best thing about the team after bielsa left and we got rid of it and we we just kept this other side of things so yeah i am not i'm not convinced that that jesse marsh is the man to reinvent this team into a, a more possessional approach um and i'm not sure what the solution to that will be but um i yeah. i i also feel as though the, the if he's already lost the players it's going to be an even harder hill to climb in that respect so i i think i am now of the opinion of maybe the majority of leeds fans in that the the acceptance is that the system hasn't really worked and we just need to get in someone who can keep us in the premier league this season and then maybe think about developing a different play style going forwards yeah that was gonna be my sort of next question was just just how how realistic you think it is in terms of sort of how much time Jesse Marsh really has left and also sort of um, the ability of another manager to come in and work with these groups, with this group of players, as you mentioned, who are largely geared around a, a particular a playing style and get them playing in a different style that is going to lead to, well, survival for this time around, but then obviously building on, building on from there. It's, it's, it's interesting. The parallels aren't exactly um, lining up, but it's, it's very interesting to me just the number of, uh, similar problems that I've been thinking about over the past few weeks with Liverpool around moving away from a style, effectively abandoning uh, the one of the key strengths of the team, which was this uh, this counter, you know, very aggressive counter pressing uh, approach in 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 moments, uh, and relying on your uh, brilliant individual players to sort of cope in those moments when they're when they're dealing with one v ones, and they've actually completely deviated from that to a system which. Uh, reduces the, the amount of decisions players have to make to almost a rudimentary level at the moment, which is very strange. Um, but yeah, losing faith in the system is not not great. In terms of, I mean, how long you think he's got? I mean, I, I saw some headlines around that he was expected to be in charge for the Fulham game. He was obviously in charge for that. It didn't go the way you would have hoped it went as well. Um, I mean, just how much uh, road do you think he's got left? Well, if you look at the fixtures that he has coming up so yeah. we've got Liverpool obviously um, you guys may not feel very confident about this game I no. don't know how Liverpool fans feel right now but I think it's it's fairly safe to say that this is not a game that's going to suit Leeds um, we then have Bournemouth on, on the 5th of November which is I think most people would say a winnable game uh, but then you go into Spurs Man City um, uh, Newcastle West Ham Villa and Brentford and then we've got Nottingham Forest in the 4th of February now by the time that game comes around against Nottingham Forest <laughs> I mean there's a very real chance we could be on 12 points and yeah. midway through the season and it's just it's not enough so in terms of why he's still in control of the club I don't in in, in, in control of the team I don't know um, it, it, it's baffling a lot of people because um, it does seem as though the outlook from here is pretty bleak. Um, we've had a really nice run of teams in the beginning of the season. Now we're coming to a horrible run and it's it's hard to see really where the points are going to come from. And at the moment, like we, we could feasibly get to to January and not pick up any points in that time, which is, yeah, we're on nine points <laughs> and we'll be, we'll be, as I say, we'll be pushing towards midway 
point of the of the season. So the big question, I suppose, is like, what is the what is the plan here for Leeds? And yeah. we've already mentioned that they've almost seemed to have pushed themselves into a corner by adopting a very outlier play style that hasn't worked. And then the the question then is like, what do you do? Do you do you just go for another manager in that same play style and hope it's just he's a bad coach? Or do you bring someone in who you think, okay, well, with the players that we've got, we can get them sort of playing solid enough football for us to be able to beat those teams around us. I think, And I think that, you know, that's an approach which isn't the worst thing in the world. But I think the issue for me is just time scale. Like we're now in a situation where we need to win the games that we have to win. And in this instance, like waiting until the World Cup and losing a lot of games which we expected to lose it just seems a waste to keep him in for that um where when the other option is bring someone in now okay except that you're probably going to lose a lot of games but at least give yourself the chance to get up to speed before the world cup take the world cup as as a pre-season and, and again sort of keep building uh, on on whatever you've built before that and then get yourself in a situation where when those winnable games start coming through that you've got a chance of being able to climb out of the out of the league, and it just at the moment it feels as though they're just dragging their feet because they want to be like, oh, okay, we win a game against Bournemouth, and maybe that takes us out of the the relegation zone again. But it it just sort of feels inevitable at this point. I mean, we're, we're struggling to beat teams that we would have thought would be comfortable teams to beat, such such as Fulham, and we're now in a situation where you know if we lose that game to Bournemouth and then go into that like run of tough fixtures it's hard to know what's going to change. Like it's not, it's hard to know where those points are coming from. It's hard to know what the benefit of keeping him in is going to be. And the benefits of bringing someone else in will seem, I think a lot more attractive to most fans. So yeah, it's, it's really hard to know what the board are thinking really at this point. And if, if you did have your choice of managers, I mean, like you said there, it's not actually sort of the easiest uh, job in the short term in terms of, sort of the, 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 the way to approach it. But I mean, if you did have your choice, I mean, who would you be bringing in to try and sort of deal with the with the short term task of uh, reorienting the, this this group of players into making them tough, hard to beat, and staying in the league? It's a horrible position to be in for the board because you're you're essentially presenting them with a very wonky squad that is built to mm. accommodate a particular play style. You're in a situation where the big managers who might make a good future manager probably won't risk it at the moment so there's managers like so someone like Chetel Knutson at, at Bodo Glimt is someone who is always talked about in these situations um, someone like Ange Postacoglu like two very similar coaches right interested in possession play interested in positional play so using structure and uh, and movement to exploit generate and exploit space in attack and then have a fairly sort of aggressive-ish press pressing approach, which allows them to get away with that. These are the sorts. I mean, the big the big frustration is is that when you're when you're a team like Leeds and you see clubs like Brentford or Brighton getting managers who are smart, who develop like really flexible systems that can deal with the various um, different play styles that are going to get thrown at you in the Premier League. So you give yourself the best chance of staying up. And it just feels like we're sort of scrabbling around now in a situation where we're like, we had a really good chance to, we got into the Premier League, we got a ninth place finish. We had a real chance to sort of consolidate ourselves as a, as a Premier League side. And now we're in a situation where we're accepting that the coach that we've got at the moment 
is probably going to get us relegated if we continue on the same trajectory. If we get him out, then it's hard to find someone who is going to be willing to do the job on the basis of the fact that it's going to be hard to 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 stay up anyway uh, with the squad that, that's, that's at hand. And so you might find uh, managers who would be good to make that next step a little bit reticent to do that. So other than that, I mean, the the form that Victor Water has, our director of football, is that he sort of keeps an eye on these exciting continental style um, or continental coaches who are are popular with uh, the the tactics nerds, um, but it's hard to see any of those really being willing to to do that. And so you're ending up sort of scraping the barrel and coming up with someone like Sean Dyche. Who, don't get me wrong, I think Sean Dyche probably would keep us up, but the problem then is is what do you do once you're up? And Sean Dyche is your manager, and you now have sort of plumped on another play style where the the reality is that is you'll always be just trying to stay up rather than trying to make those next steps. So, yeah, it's it's an unenviable task and there's not really a huge amount of managerial talent out there that is either realistic um, or or is necessarily going to um, consider, mm. you know, taking the reins at Leeds as a, as a great career step at this point. Yeah, I and mean, I'm trying to trying to turn this around into some sort of glimmer of uh, optimism. And I, I think, yeah, as, as you've mentioned, I mean, one of those things could be that, uh, I mean, you're up next, uh, you're facing a side that just lost to the bottom side in the league, as you mentioned, is worse than Leeds in terms of sort of the, the, uh, the quantity of high quality chances that we're conceding, uh, each, each game so far this season, uh, appears to have similar, um, sort of, I would say I'm not sure how confident the team currently is at, uh, with the current system because it was supposed to be uh you know solving things and making players less likely to get into situations where they're defensively exposed and it hasn't really done that and it's also uh, sort of marginalized uh, the the side's best uh, best player in Mosala as well so it's um it's you you you're coming to to Anfield to to face a team that is not I would say in in a confident mood regardless of what happens tonight against against Ajax uh, and hearing what you said there around sort of the, the success you had had against teams in the top six Liverpool are not in the top six at the moment I'm, I'm very aware of that um, but uh, I mean are there not reasons for for hope there I yeah I mean I would rather face this season's Liverpool than last season's Liverpool hmm. there's no doubt about it but the issue seems seems to be that we're going to probably play a really ding-dong fixture in two really transitional sides who are both bad at defending. And I think in those conditions, you're still the favourites yeah. because it's not as if we're going to be doing what Nottingham Forest did, right, which is sit deep and then try and hit you on the break. Sure. We're going to be... that The, the, the Manchester City game is, is a, an instructive one here that it felt as though... Pep Guardiola allowed you the conditions that that Mohamed Salah is going to benefit from, yeah, and that this is going to be a similar game uh, in 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 the sense that there will be space for him to attack, and he could have a, a field day against us. So it it just feels like one of those moments where we'll probably play a fairly even game in terms of like the transitional backwards and forwards and get rolled over and then the Leeds fans will be like oh I can't believe that we didn't win that game when we just gave Mohamed Salah loads of space and lo and behold he scored four or something <laughs> like that so maybe that's me just being being miserable uh, I don't know but um, I, I do feel as though the issues that we're causing 
other teams are not going to be the sorts of issues that we're going to necessarily cause for you. I don't feel as though you're going to be particularly ponderous in your build-up. And uh, even if you are, I think you'll still be able to play around our press anyway. But if you just go direct, which I think is what you're doing quite well at the moment, then you'll you'll definitely cause us problems. So, um, yeah. I, mm. And add to that fact the fact that, as I said, against Fulham, it felt as though the team had sort of lost faith a little bit as soon as that first goal went in right it just felt as though you know it was a it was a matter of course that we were going to end up losing yeah I did find myself in a weird position there trying to sort of make the the guest who's uh supports the opposition uh feel, feel <laughs> confident about going to i just say like, honestly there's been so many issues and of course i think actually one of the most surprising ones or ironic ones is just uh, the way in which we used to expose teams in negative transition, uh, the way in which that's been done to us <laughs> time and yeah. time again this season. Um, and the one thing I'm aware of is Liverpool are currently underperforming their, their attacking, um, well, it, it, their conversion numbers are not what they should be. So I think Liverpool will be scoring more goals soon, you'd imagine. But, uh, Alisson is currently, <laughs> Um, uh, putting in heroics week in, week out, which is not, I don't think this is not, not sustainable because of some of the saves he's making, uh, with, with the quality and chances we're giving up. So I've also slightly worried about that as well. So I, I think you're right. Could easily be quite a hectic basketball, um, type game, uh, this weekend. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I used to love that. I used to think, well, okay, great. You, you want to play basketball with us? Yeah, we'll show you. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, who knows? I think the confidence level uh, amongst the fan base is, <laughs> has taken a hit as well. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what side's going to turn up, but uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's, it's not going to be a dull game, I would suggest. So yeah, it's, it's very similar in, in terms of the fact that, again, if you look at your underlying numbers, you're looking quite good at the moment. It's just not coming off, but yeah. you are shipping so many big chances that I think it is sort of skewing those numbers a little bit. So yeah. those, those numbers may be slightly flattering to deceive. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think if, if people to ask my opinion on sort of, I mean, what's the quickest way to solve it at the moment? I I, I genuinely think it's recruitment. Unfortunately, I think that there's a couple of players in there who uh, I don't think they're necessarily in the right place to be first first team regulars. Uh, I think they've they've run a lot of miles, and I think there's potentially there was, there was a reason why Liverpool were pursuing Chuameni this summer. I think. Uh, I think there's a there's a reason why that midfield looks like it may be rusting a little bit. So uh, I'm not saying yeah, solve everything, but I think it would uh, would help a hell of a lot. Yeah, I obviously have to cover the the big six in the Premier League hmm. quite a bit, and one of the questions that we're often asked or what's required with, to yeah. pose is, yeah, what's gone wrong with Liverpool? And it's it's hard to say, but I think that obviously you're giving up big chances. Obviously, yeah. you're seeing certain like weaknesses that you knew exist get exploited so mm -hmm. uh, regardless of your opinions on Trent Alexander-Arnold it is a fact that teams are exploiting that side of the field yeah in particular because it, it's proving to be quite um, productive for them but for me it's I, I'm always biased towards explaining things through systems mm. and it feels to me as though the system is is what is struggling here and you've gone from a situation as you've said where you were able to manage the amount of dangerous transitions that you were conceding mm -hmm. and that isn't happening so much anymore and to compensate you you're now playing a different system which is nominally more defensive but is 
allowing you to ship more goals because it's so so for example Trent Alexander Arnold this season has been playing a lot deeper than he has in previous seasons and that seems to be a direct reaction to the fact that we're seeing a lot of uh, of, of production through that right hand side yeah. of the field but to me it's because the the forward areas are not working properly like for us they were and and so you're just not affording yourself quite the same amount of protection of your defense completely um, agree so yeah how you fix that is is anybody's guess, but the the, the pressing approach has definitely changed this season compared to last season, and not for the best. So I suspect yeah. it's something to do with that. Yeah, I mean it's, it's 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 down across the league. I think actually, I think I think the numbers across the league are down for for all for all sides. And um, uh, it's yeah, it's 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 often looked. I mean, I think that people have different theories about it. Certainly, I think as you mentioned there, sort of Trent gets a lot of uh, a lot of stick, but yeah, I think I'd be a, a similar opinion to yourself there in terms of. If he's getting exposed, yes, he's not maybe necessarily the best one v one defender in the world, but it's yeah, he's he's advanced because of the system, and that's worked in in the past because the right side of midfielder has done the work uh, to cover across, and then also you had a Fabinho who was in better physical condition, I think, than he's currently in. Um, and I think one thing that's been the real uh, thing that's highlighted for me in, in numerous games this season is just players running off the back of our midfield. <laughs> Uh, having big chances, maybe Ali saves them, and then you're l- looking around to see where where are my uh, where are my two holding midfielders playing the current system we're playing, and they're jogging to try and get back into position, but they're not where they were. And I think whilst it wouldn't solve everything, I do think some sort of uh, reinforcement in that midfield that has the physical capacity uh, that those players don't seem to currently have might um, go some way to putting a bandaid over. Some of the issues, um, but yeah, I think I, I think it's. I, I'm worried that we've abandoned the system entirely. Uh, I'd say, considering the success that we've had with it over the numerous seasons, I think it's it's a little bit of a shame that we we seem to have uh, abandoned that now. For one, that I'm not entirely convinced of. Um, but again, maybe it just takes some time to to, to integrate the players into it and uh, you know, buy the right cogs for for this particular system. But I'm not convinced at the moment. But um, Anyway, John, I mean, I think we, I'm sure we could go on and debate those reasons for, for quite a while. Um, always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, really do like appreciate your thoughtful, um, sort of analysis on not only Leeds, but yeah, your opinion on, um, Liverpool as well. Sort, sort of well aware that you're, you're having to cover, um, many sides in the top six and yeah, find out what's going on with these sides when, 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 uh, occasionally some of those top six sides have brain farts or things like that. So yeah, very much appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, really, really appreciate coming on too. It's always, always good to have a chat with you. Thank you. And uh, the, the listeners, um, it just keeps on coming. Just honestly, these games keep on. It's <laughs> probably the worst season ever to be having an identity crisis where it looks like your pressing system is failing uh, is a campaign where you've got an incredibly condensed fixture schedule. So uh, we'll be back again with uh, another podcast ahead of a, a trip to to White Hart Lane, uh, White Hart Lane, sorry, how dare I say, um, Tottenham, um, to, uh, uh, to face, uh, oh, I'd say, an, an interesting uh, looking Antonio Conte side at the moment. So that's going to be an intriguing game, but I think they're, they're quite well set up to do exactly what we hate. Um, so I think that's going to be, that's going to be fun. Um, but uh, yeah, do, do check out all the other great content between now and then. There's, of course, there's two, uh, we've got the, the game against Ajax tonight, which I'll be some reaction pods to. And then, of course, there's the, the game, uh, the return uh, leg with Napoli coming to Anfield. I'm, I'm just, just 
can't wait for that, John. I can tell you, given Napoli, an out of form Napoli side arrive at Anfield for what I'm sure is going to be a delightful game. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to watching Anguissa uh, run around uh, the the pitch for that one. Um, but yeah, between now and then, do, do check out all the, all the other great content. But we'll be back again with another episode um, ahead of that game uh, away to Spurs. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.